0: Hey everyone it's Anna. We're now at part two of our JC series which tells the story of JC's career as a solo artist and we also get into some analysis of his music. For those who did not tune into part one I'm joined by Sasha a musician and photographer who happens to be a huge NSYNC fan as well as a childhood friend of mine. We hope you enjoy part two. This episode is centered around discussing the solo work of our favorite boy band member, the king of boy bands, Mr. J.C. (laughs) Chazé. So now we're going to get into the story of J.C.'s solo career. Not a lot of people know about this story, so buckle up for some twists and turns. All of this information in this story can be backed up by sources, including articles written about the situation, as well as interviews with JC and more recent interviews with his collaborators. We're also going to discuss our own opinions on the whole situation, and we're really just scratching the surface on all the details, but if you want an even deeper dive, we'll include a link in the show notes to a really well-done documentary on YouTube called Dirty Politics. So... After InSync went on hiatus, JC, and he said this in in interviews, that he never really envisioned himself as a solo artist. He was actually looking into being an actor. Did you know this, Sasha, that he was looking into being an actor? I
1: did know that. Okay. Yeah.
0: I had no idea. And I was like, oh, this is news to me. Yeah,
1: this is like original ambition.
0: Yeah. I mean, he had that, you know, old school movie actor look mm-hmm. to him. So it makes sense. But he also was still writing and producing at the same time. And one of his producer friends, Dallas Austin, asked him to collaborate on a song for the Drumline soundtrack in 2002, and the song was called Blow Me Up With Her Love. So it was released later in 2002, and it had really good critical reception, and people were really excited about what more was to come from J.C. And in early 2003, after the success of Blowing Me Up, J.C. started working on the album full-time, on his album Schizophrenic, Drive Records. It had an original scheduled release for summer 2003, and then the release got delayed about nine months after that. And it was clear during this time that the label did not prioritize their attention, financial support, or resources toward J.C. like they did other artists. And they didn't provide J.C. with the top rate producers. So J.C. worked on the album with his producer friends like Alex Greggs, Rob Bolt, and Baseman Jacks. And J.C. kind of spun this in interviews in a positive light that the label was giving him creative control. But in reality, they were sabotaging him. And Alex Greggs kind of talked about this on the Digital Get Down podcast that the label was just kind of ignoring them. And the label, like I said, kept pushing the release date on the album and did so several times, and that's never a good sign when a label does that. And it's really one of the key indicators that they were not providing any support. Like I said, labels do this when they're prioritizing other artists. If another artist that they have more confidence in that their album is going to sell, they're going to push that release up and push other artists' release back. The thing that was so frustrating at that time was JC would go on interviews to promote the album and he wouldn't even be sure when the release date was. So it it kind of made him look a little flaky. And it was just, it's looking back on it, it was just kind of sad to see. So JC goes on a club tour with little promotion. But Sasha was able to attend this, this said club <laughs> tour. And apparently he had problem selling tickets to those shows despite really good critical reception on the performances let's talk about you seeing jc
1: and how that compares sure but i i don't even know why i bought i mean i know why i bought tickets because i had the opportunity to see jc Chase play in a really small club and i was like of course i'm going to do this but i was 14 and i went basically by myself i had a friend at the time who when i was talking to her she was local and we met over the internet over a shared love of the local band and, and a shared love of Insync. We used to go to shows together sometimes. But we got tickets to see JC. Tony Luca, I believe, opened. Yes. I definitely bought his CD. I really liked his performance. Did you ever go to the Avalon while it was open? Yep. Um, so Avalon was like a mid-sized club that was on a very famous street in Boston called Lansdowne Street. It's one of the streets that connects with Funway Park, but it also used to have two music clubs on it called The Axis and the Avalon. And Avalon was great. Um, it had an incredible sound system. It had, I remember, just the best public bathrooms I've probably ever been in. <laughs> it was it was a great place. I, I went to a bunch of shows there. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. And so JC played there. In my memory, it was a sold-out show. It was packed. I was, like, halfway back, and I don't remember too much about it except, A, it was, like, one of the most dance-heavy shows I've ever been to, and then, B, he had a lot of dancers on stage. Again, I called them strippers earlier, and I was thinking, that's maybe not the best term, but I do recall them taking off, like, removing items of clothing, and that's why they were strippers in my head. (laughs) But, yeah, he had a lot of women dancers on stage, and it was so... Different from anything I'd ever seen NSYNC do. And it was really cool to see it in a small club. I remember JC had basically, because this whole time I've been thinking a lot about just again, like the cross with feminism and how NSYNC overall has been very respectful of women. And Justin's solo career strays a little bit on that subject. Yep. And JC's doesn't really. It's very sexual, but at no point is it disrespectful. I wonder if that taints that vision at all. Um, but again, it was really, it wasn't like a. It wasn't a Nelly video. It was still respectful.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think it taints that. I think he's just just very sexual. Totally. And I think that's just him expressing himself. And he's like, if a woman wants to do it,
1: that's, then I, she can. I agree. I I mentioned this a little bit in my notes, but I think he sh- that whole aspect of him was maybe just a little before its time because was. that personality would totally persona would totally work now and yet back then it was a little risque I loved the schizophrenic album when it came out I'm not sure it was out by the time I saw him on tour so you know when the album came out the album came out February 2004 uh, so, so it predated because the only song I knew that he did was blowing me up um so it is I went into it blind not knowing anything about what his solo career was going to be and yeah. then just being like I don't understand what I just saw but I I really really enjoyed the show
0: that's so interesting and I mean it's it's such a shame that the the tour that he did, the club tour, was before the album release. So because the record label kept postponing and postponing. So a lot of people like you didn't know any of the songs at the time.
1: Yeah, which does impact one's ability to enjoy a performance. Exactly.
0: And like I said, when I saw Pop Odyssey, I didn't enjoy it as much. I was like, I don't know half of these songs that they're performing. So yeah, it's good to at least have listened to a song a couple of times before seeing it live. So the single, Some Girls Dance With Women, finally gets released in November 2003. And after several, like we said, several delays, the album release date is finally set for February 2004. And JC gets booked to do the halftime show at the Pro Bowl as part of the promotion prior to the release of the album.
1: I didn't know this story until I read your write-up.
0: Really? I didn't. Oh my God. This I, re- I vividly remember this happening because I was watching... All of the new segments about this, like following this story, because it was just a, such a crazy time. So basically, what happened was, everyone knows what happened during the February two thousand four Super Bowl. We are not going to get into that, but due to the link between Justin Timberlake and JC, and also just the general entertainment industry really being strict during that time, they were extra. They were extra strict with, with JC extra scrutiny. Extra, yeah. JC had a lot of extra scrutiny when it came to his halftime performance for the Pro Bowl. It was just an interesting time in, in the industry. Everything was just being censored left and right when it comes to expressing sexuality. So JC really tried his best to work with the NFL and the producers of the Pro Bowl to make sure that it was, quote-unquote, (laughs) family-friendly, as family-friendly as one can get. He switched the song. It was supposed to initially be Some Girls Dance With Women. He switched it to Blowing Me Up With Her Love, and he even changed the lyrics a little bit. He changed everyone's outfits so that they weren't as, quote-unquote, scandalous. Then they were like, we actually don't want you to perform. Maybe you could just sing the national anthem. He's like, great, I'll do the national anthem. And then they just say, just kidding. Yeah. You're not doing the national anthem. You're just going to be completely dropped. Honestly, if we had JC by himself singing the national anthem, I think that is the real tragedy here. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) And I don't know if you remember the Ryan Seacrest show. It was a talk show late afternoon. It was on like after school and I didn't have cable till I was like 20. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I, forgot about that. So I missed out on um, all this stuff. It actually wasn't on cable. I think it was on Fox. Seacrest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. No, well, I didn't watch. Yeah. I remember watching and JC called in to talk about the situation. And that was the first time that I had ever heard JC sound upset. Yeah. And it's a shame that he wasn't in studio, but you could, you could tell that he was not happy about the situation. And he tried to be as nice as possible. Cause he's just like, you know that person. Yeah, he's that person. But I I felt so bad for him after that happened. Moving to when the album was actually released, so it got really great critical reception overall. However, J C did get a little criticism over the album's name and artwork from the schizophrenia community, claiming it was ableist, which they have every right to do. Yeah, and that's valid. Yeah, totally valid. And you know an album with that name and with the cover art would definitely not fly in these days. And that's definitely for the better, but that also goes to show where the label should have been helping him out a little bit.
1: Agreed. Yeah. And I'm not sure how the title even really ties into the album as a whole.
0: Yeah. I think from JC's perspective, he was like, Oh, well I have all these different personalities. Yeah. So again, it doesn't age well. That's
1: not what schizophrenia is either, but I do understand that it's like the mass (laughs) public's understanding of what schizophrenia is. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that, but I didn't. But
0: I'm glad you did. (laughs) There was also some critique over the overtly sexual lyrics. And looking back, they actually seem pretty tame. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, completely. And the label, again, the label should have had a bit more eyes on what they were putting out in order to prevent criticism like this. But again, it shows how little resources they were providing JC. In the summer of 2004, Jive releases the second single, All Day Long, I Dream About Sex. The tongue-in-cheek 80 synth-pop single does really well in Europe and Australia. However, back in the States, the song doesn't get any airplay. MTV and radio stations are too afraid to give a song airtime that so overtly talks about sex. And this is due to, you guessed it, the Super Bowl controversy that occurred a few months earlier. The label then tries to push the ballad Build My World as the third single from the album. But with the lack of funding to create a music video, it barely gets any radio play around that same time jc's old friend britney spears invites him to open for her on the european leg of her onyx tour in the summer of 2004 following the end of the tour jive ceases funding for the promotion of the schizophrenic album however during the tour jc starts working on a new album but we'll get to that later in terms of the album's performance and sales it doesn't do too well in the united states by industry standards And you can be the judge as to why that would happen to someone like J.C. Was it the label sabotaging him? Were they not providing him with adequate support? Was it the timing of their release? Was it the criticism of the overly sexual lyrics during a time of extra scrutiny of sexual expression? Or was it the single choices that are both very sexual and don't display his vocal abilities? Was it the lack of promotion Was it the lack of there not being a defined audience for the album? Personally, I think it was a combination of all those things. But we're going to talk about all of this with Sasha. Now we're going to take a break from JC's story and talk about the Schizophrenic album. So Sasha, any favorite songs, any takeaways from this album?
1: Yeah, I think my major takeaway, which I've going to reiterate a whole bunch during this podcast, a lot of his solo stuff is unexpected. And I am sometimes baffled by the decisions that are made. And at the same time, I'm like charmed by them. And that like perfectly summarizes my thoughts on his debut album. I love it. I don't know anything else that sounds like it. And I... The inclination is for me to call it risque, but that's not even really what it is. It's just very overtly sexual, which his performance, his solo tour was as well. And I was 14 and I'd come off seeing NSYNC perform for years and it was so different from all of that. And I also think it's sexual in a way that strays from mainstream pop sexuality. And it still is different from a lot of what we see in that realm you know what it kind of reminds me of Janet Jackson totally which he's a huge Janet Jackson oh yeah 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 Uh you know we we don't need to get into this but that song that they do with Janet Jackson never got enough attention it's so good and the music video it's actually the music video like a lot of JC stuff it's just like hot like it's a very sexy music video in a in a this is where it's not JC in a not overt way. It's very subtle and it is like at the same time just this awesome music video. But his his music is very Janet jackson is,
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: But in revisiting both Schizophrenic and the Kate album, I've been thinking a lot about how talented JC is and how he wants to do so many things. And cohesion, as I said before, is really his downfall in my opinion. It's it's schizophrenic is three albums in one and sentiment has made me realize that like Miley Cyrus is a great example of someone who manages to do this well because Miley Cyrus has this sexual dance pop persona and does an album or two like that. And we all know that Miley Cyrus also can sing really well and has a country album. And will do an RB esque ballad. And all those live independent of one another under her Miley Cyrus umbrella. And had JC had the opportunity to divide that album up into so that there was like this like sexual dance album and then there was these beautiful ballads, I just think it would have played better for the media. And so those are my takeaways. I really I noticed that you did not initially love all day long, I dream about sex. I loved that song. I looped that forever. That's like my entire high school, like any mix, even any of my friends would make that song was on it. I feel about it similar to how I feel about the black song, which is it's from the get go. I was like, this is a ridiculous song. At no point was I like taking it sincerely.
0: You know what I kind of, it kind of reminds me of, especially kind of putting my mind back in that time. It kind of reminds me of (laughs) like Tom Green's the bum song. Totally.
1: <laughs> yeah. The chorus, like, yeah. could totally be a Tom Green song. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been in recording situations in which I, you know, I might record five songs and one of them is like clearly a single. And when I get them back from the producer, it's become so obvious that they spent, you know, 20 hours on that song and three hours on every other song. And it's like, cool, that sounds great, but what about everything else? And that's how I feel about All Day Long I Dream About Sex. The beginning is so freaking catchy and it it just sucks you right in. And it's, it's so, it's just thought through entirely. It works entirely as a song. I think it's slightly ahead of its time. And when I've been revisiting Schizophrenic, I get a lot of Blared Lines vibes from it. It's catchy, it's very sexual. You can dance to it and there's no sexual assault, which is nice. And I've been just wondering, like so much of his album, and I know Justin worked with the Neptunes and Pharrell and all that stuff. Uh, so much of Jason's album would have benefited from the Pharrell touch because a lot oh, of yeah. those songs sound like they would fit right in in Pharrell's catalog. Had and had Pharrell been able to get his hands on it, they probably would have been hits.
0: I know, and it's a shame because he he did work with Dallas Austin, and you can hear the difference mm-hmm. between the Dallas-Austin tracks, and all the other tracks, too. Mm -hmm. And that may kind of go with the, you know, lack of cohesion, but it's also pretty evident which ones are more heavily produced and which ones aren't. Totally. (laughs) But, yeah, I I absolutely agree. If he had Pharrell or any of the the other big producers at the time, it would have been incredible. I mean, it still is incredible on its own, but... Yeah, they're definitely you, you almost feel like there needs to be another round of production with a lot of these songs.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And with the overall album, I mean, that is what you run the risk of if you work with multiple producers. And uh, that seems to be JC's career. And I get why that's appealing. But if you don't have someone to edit the album as a whole for you, you don't have someone's consistent feedback on the overall image.
0: You know, th- there's so many different music styles in this. It really takes a very sophisticated ear to have the full appreciation of this of this whole entire album.
1: Totally. And uh, that's just it, because I walk away from listening to this album being like, I don't understand who the audience for this album is. Like, you have a built-in audience, to some extent, with NSYNC fans, and like I said, I bought it, and I listened to it, and I liked it. But if you're hoping to, like, sustain it and build a new audience, who, like, who are the people who are supposed to be listening to this audience? Because... Uh, they just explore so much on it, and they do a lot of it well. But there's no consistent person that all of those songs are supposed to be for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's just so funny to kind of go back to see the promotion for the schizophrenic album <laughs> yeah. and see and and see JC being on, you know, Nickelodeon yeah. promoting the album. But it, but it's just funny because I was like, it's definitely not the Nickelodeon audience that would appreciate right. this album.
1: Absolutely. Again, it's just a huge miss. It's it's yeah. so confusing. Okay, so we're going to
0: go track by track. So the first song is Some Girls Dance With Women, and the style is more, I hate this term, urban, because it's so coded. Yeah. So I would say it's more hip-hop, R&B influence with some kind of Middle Eastern, Moroccan influence, too. What are your thoughts on this song?
1: I see everything that you're saying about it. I... We talk a little bit about what should and shouldn't have been singles in the notes. I don't think this should have been a single. I I think it's a super catchy song, Mm -hmm. but I go back to I don't understand who the audience is Mm -hmm. for the song. It's not it's not going to be a mainstream hit. When you say Middle Eastern, I'm not sure I hear that. I do. If you were to tell me that he was like really into Bollywood at the time, I'd be like, okay, I hear a little bit about that. Oh,
0: you know what? Yeah, I think that's. That's a little bit more accurate.
1: And there's a lot of overlap in that. Yeah. I do love this song. It's one of my favorite tracks on the album. Absolutely. What um, are
0: your thoughts on it being kind of male gazy?
1: I agree with that, yeah. uh totally. Yeah. yeah. I also I I something I wouldn't have thought about at the time that I do think a lot about now is girls and women and the use of those two terms. Mm. And I'm working on the presumption that JC is referring to the same thing. You know, some women dance Mm -hmm. with women, some Mm -hmm. girls dance with girls, Mm -hmm. but just the, I hate that we use girls. A 40 year old will talk about a new girl he met and, and we as adult women and, you know, whatever gender identity, we're never like, Oh, I met a new boy yesterday. Mm. Um, And I, I, Just, I, I hate that use of gender so much. I don't need to go on to it, but it really struck me in the title, Some Girls Dance With Women, that it's as though those terms are interchangeable. And whether you take it at a level of them being interchangeable or you take it at a level of girls being underage women and women being grown women and they're dancing together, that's a little problematic too. And so right away, I agree that there's a male gaze going on there. Just by the use of the term girls alone. Mm. Absolutely.
0: But I mean, like, you can see the use of girls in so many pop songs, though. Oh, so totally. this is definitely not. No, it's not a one. JC problem. <laughs> no. Yeah.
1: No, it's a societal issue. Absolutely. um, Yeah. Yeah. But I think it does contribute to the male gaze. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And the, the reason why I think he uses both girls and women interchangeably is probably just for the melody oh of the song. yeah like, completely some yeah. girls
1: dance with girls doesn't work right or some women <laughs> dance with right. other women so doesn't work either. <laughs> no i'm with you i get it yeah. Uh, yeah i i just yeah i just don't approve it. i almost <laughs> i
0: i really wish because i mean jc's pretty cued into the queer community with you know people that he hangs out with associates with and people who he collaborates with i would love for a lesbian artist to cover this song cool. and kind of reframe the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think there, it, that you could do some really cool things with this song.
1: I, uh, I don't need to get into this, but I'm going to very briefly. You I, said. and just even the chorus, like some girls dance with women, knowing that it gets some attention, I oh, uh, just okay. completely disregards the fact that women may be dancing with women for any other reason other mm-hmm. than to get a man's. Uh, I, and I, 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 I know. I hate it. I, oh, I hate it too,
0: Sasha. I but too. I, lo-
1: I love the song. I know. Love the song. Well, it's so
0: funny because it's so catchy and it's so sexy at the beginning. It's really sexy at the beginning. And, you know, and I love how he's like kind of whispering too. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is so good. And then he gets to the chorus and I'm like, oh, yeah. no. But it's still really catchy. And you, you can't help but really like it. Okay. She got me. Overall thoughts.
1: I really like it. I like the beginning I like the first half of this album just as a whole. I, th- I think it works really well. You note that you love the guitar sounds in it along with the clapping. I really like that as well. And you reference Michael Jackson. And I do think a lot of the earlier stuff on the album is very Michael Jackson-esque. The Jackson sibling influence is so obvious on JC's career. And yeah. I did not think about that until you and I started talking right now.
0: I Yeah, and I do hear a little uh, Lenny Kravitz too. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, you
1: know... I don't mean to like keep referencing your notes, but apparently I'm going to keep doing that because you reference people like Craig David and Lenny Kravitz. And I just would never, ever think to reference them. And that is a lot of what it sounds like. And that is a lot of what was playing at the time. Yeah. So it makes sense that uh, there's so much overlap.
0: Well, there's a lot of if you go back to old interviews with NSYNC, they're always talking about Craig David. Yeah, It is so funny to me because I mean, I. I remember him but I was like I didn't realize like how influential he was to all these musicians at that time
1: I, I think he was a much bigger deal in um, Europe than he ever was here yeah do you have his? CD? No, I don't. Okay. Do you? I, I do. Of I actually, do. I loved Craig David. I, I don't know what album it was. I, I could look it up. But the Craig David album that was big in the US, I really loved it. And a lot of this does sound a lot like Craig David's stuff yeah. sounds. Uh, the Two of Us song, um, mm. that, that it being a two-step, Craig David oh, wrote yeah. so many two-step songs. And mm. I would just, again, his influence there, I think, for me, is obvious. I think the two-step garage stuff that they did was so cool. (laughs) (laughs) But
0: yeah, yeah. And then I could also picture Justin doing this song too, Mm -hmm. especially with the falsettos. Totally. Yeah.
1: There was so much of JC's vocal patterns on this album that sound uh, Justin-esque, whether Mm. they were doing it intentionally or not.
0: Yeah. Okay, A Hundred Ways. So this is kind of, I, I feel like there's more like rock, funk, New Wave influence in this song definitely reminds me a lot of Prince as well. And I feel like when it comes, if you're going to compare JC and Justin's solo careers, I feel like Justin was, ob- it was pretty obvious that he was trying to be like Michael Jackson. He wrote most of those songs on the Justified album for Michael. Mm-hmm. JC, I feel like, was trying to be more like Prince.
1: I, I've i never thought about it that way, but I would love to think about it that way.
0: Oh, you should think about it that way. Do you listen to a lot of Prince? Oh yeah, I love Prince. Oh, do you?
1: Yeah. Prince is... Well, his first album, Prince, like, basically did that all by himself. Uh, Prince did everything all by himself. Yeah. Prince is Prince had 100% control of Prince for yeah. basically his entire career. He's basically the best guitar player to ever live. And I love that not only is he, like, one of, if not the best guitar player to ever live, but that that is not the thing that people talk about. He had so much of a legacy beyond that that it's just, like, never discussed. You literally just
0: word for word said something that my mom had
1: <laughs> multiple times yeah. it's just the coolest thing that he could be that good at guitar and yet it's like never talked about because there's so many other prince elements to talk about there are so many different
0: music influences in this song it kind of almost reminds me of a k-pop song you know how k-pop music kind of influenced oh, k-pop. Oh, okay okay <laughs> i'm sorry again Keep going. make your point so k-pop the the thing that makes k-pop music so unique is that it literally line by line can change music styles cool so they like influence electronica punk disco all these different music styles and they combine it into this one song yeah and it's really cool how they do that not that this sounds like a k-pop song but i feel like that fusion really is reminiscent in this song
1: absolutely absolutely
0: All right, Mercy. So I feel like this leans a little bit more R and B with some electronica. This also kind of reminds me a lot of Prince too. Definitely super sexy. Is all the like I'm gonna say this about pretty much every single song (laughs) on this album. The harmony on this is really cool. It's really cool. Obviously, it's JC just doing all the parts. (laughs) And you know, a lot of people when they critique this song, they're like, "Oh, JC doesn't really showcase his vocals," which. I think overall there could have been a different song selection that where he showcased it but there's certain points in this album where you're like oh damn right he has he
1: still he still has it I, like if jc absolutely like blew our eardrums every in the best way on every track it would just get old so quickly and i I appreciate the restraint a little bit. I also do think he does a good job doing the the softer again, like Justin style vocals that JC didn't really get to do much of during in sync. So I like that it showcases that too. It's just again part of it is a shame that he's always going to be compared to Justin, and if Justin's doing that, it makes it difficult for JC to do that as well.
0: Yeah, but yeah, what, that moment when he says, "Without yeah. you, I'm inside the hurricane," it's just
1: <laughs> golden. <laughs> Very nice. I wish the whole album had kind of gone, we're about to talk about Build My World as well. Mm. I wish the album had leaned into the R&B thing it's just a- to be a smoother transition out of Sync, and, mm. and then I think the singles would have made a little more sense. Mm.
0: So Build My World was kind of billed as the third single from this album, mm-hmm. but didn't really get the label support to have an official release. There wasn't a music video for this. They just kind of, they sent over the singles to the radio stations and mm-hmm. that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Some radio stations picked it up and, and, Played it. Others just ignored it. It has a more R&B kind of softer tone to it. I love the intro. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of wish that they kept that beat throughout. Yeah. And it kind of just died. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, where did that go? Yeah. <laughs> I, I do like the lyrics overall. Love the descriptions and the metaphors. But it, <laughs> there's one part that gets super sappy. And it's someone for everyone but no one for me. I just I can't not... At least, like, chuckle at how
1: sappy that is. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm of the mind as a musician that if you're gonna put something cheesy in, you like really have to sell it. Mm. I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not sold.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, if it was like all day long, I dream about sex. Exactly. the whole entire thing is work. cheesy. Yeah, but this, it's just that one
1: line, and it's just like, and if they had kept the beat or it had been catchier. You're allowed to excuse super cheesy lyrics when it fits within the song, and I, I'm just not sure that line does. Yeah, which is too bad because it's not—it's not the world's worst line. It just doesn't fit. Yeah, I also really
0: don't care for the keyboard. Yeah, yeah, it just—it dates it so I, much.
1: That's how I feel about a lot of this album too. Is a lot of the not JC's parts, but a lot of the decisions made around those I think date it very, very much. I even so many so much of this album is just him making sexual sounds again and again and again and again. And even that is like, that's like such a weird thing of the past that I didn't even realize was a thing of the past, but it's like, yeah, you don't hear this anymore. <laughs> I was just thinking like how strange it must have been to just be like in a vocal booth by yourself, just going like, ah. again and again and again and again. <laughs> so you probably
0: have a better sense of this than I do. They didn't use a live band on this album, did they?
1: Oh, uh, I... I have no idea. Okay. Um, there's a lot of different ways to record. My favorite way, and a lot of people's favorite ways, is you do you have a full band in the album um, in the live room recording simultaneously, and it works for a number of reasons that I don't. I don't really need to get into. I I would think that so much of this stuff is electronic to begin with that they probably didn't have a whole band in there at the same time. And when they brought an in instrumentalist, they probably did each of their parts separate. Okay, which you lose. I mean. It's one of those things that makes music ethereal, but you lose an energy there and it's like, how can energy translate into audio and then be pressed into a track that you can experience that energy again at your home later on? And yet there really is something to it. And I, I'm of the camp that if you eliminate a full band, um, you, you do, you lose, you can't regain that energy.
0: Yeah. It's a really great point. Okay. Something special. Again, I, I hear the Prince influence on mm-hmm. this one. Definitely a little bit more acoustics. Has that like kind of like a seventies vibe to it. A little bit of R and B. I feel like every single song has like just a mix of all these different mm-hmm. styles. Definitely showcases his vocal range, like Build My World does. It's an upbeat love song, and there's only a couple on this album, yeah. which
1: is kind of nice. Uh, I I think this is an example of those songs that just doesn't fit on this album mm. at all. Uh, I do like it though, mm-hmm. and had it been released. I don't need to keep making the same point, but had it been released separate from this album, it maybe would have fit better somewhere else. Mm, mm.
0: I, uh, I, JC just loves clapping. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny to hear all the different styles in which clapping can be used. It's,
1: <laughs> that's what I mean. There's like so many sounds added to this album that I just don't get. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's one of them. There is, there's a heck of a lot of clapping on this album.
0: <laughs> okay, so the next is If You are My Girl. So this one's more... Rock, funk, electronic. Mm-hmm. It has like the Robert Plant orgasmic squeals, mm-hmm. which is interesting. <laughs> kind of going back to the sex sounds.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: Lenny Kravitz, I, I, I definitely hear Influence and, and Prince again. Has a funky beat. I love the mix of the guitar and the keyboard on this. And I love just hearing like JC's more like rock vocals too. So this was the song that I actually had when I uh, posted the meme to the stories on the Instagram. Uh-huh. I, it, was, it was the part on the song. Did not go unnoticed by the uh, the J C fan community. They were like, "Oh my God, you didn't use it's going to be me." And I'm like, "Nope. Why? Everyone else is using it."
1: It's a great example of a track that I don't understand who the audience for this album is because it sounds, Ana, you you nailed it. It sounds like a Lenny Kravitz song, and how how is the person who wants to hear that also buying? Some girls dance with women and blow me up with their love. And then all the R&B ballads. I don't understand. Yeah. And why is he promoting this album on Nickelodeon? Right. No. (laughs) The biggest question of all. Yeah. I'm sure he felt the same way too. Like, you know, you're not going into that thinking this makes sense. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Okay. So the next song
1: is Shake It. Yeah. So this is
0: him collaborating with Basement Jacks. Yeah. And I personally love this song. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah.
1: And again, I you talk about the falsetto. I, I do. I, I really like where it hits in the song. I think it's exactly what the track called for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I feel like this album would be more cohesive if he was like, I'm going to put out an Electronica album. Totally. And kind of taking out a few of the songs here. And he was like, this is the direction that I'm going in. Totally. Because a lot of the songs lean into that. And... There is a cohesiveness here, Mm -hmm. but just some of the songs are just outside of
1: that. In the like indie and the non-pop world, it's a really common thing to release a full-length album that sounds cohesive and then do an EP of basically the songs that got cut. And a lot of times they got cut because they don't fit with the rest of the album. And had JC done that or or the record company uh, like allowed JC to do that, I think the album would have flowed great. And we still we we didn't have to lose the other songs, but I think you're right. I think he wanted to do an electro pop dance album. That's really what the tour supported. It's really what the singles supported and And yet, it's not quite what the final result was. Yeah. This should have been a single. You think so? I do. Compared to what was released, I think I think this would have worked better. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you.
0: And and also the collaboration with Basement Jack, they released their single with him. Yeah. So why couldn't Right, like, just a simultaneous right. which again
1: happens all the time. So yeah. yeah
0: now we're at all day long a dream thought yeah. sex
1: i <laughs> so love is, this song so is this your favorite song on the album uh probably <laughs> yeah i don't know if it was at the time but over time it has definitely become my favorite song on the album
0: i definitely feel like kind of to your point it was definitely ahead of its time like 303 could have released this song
1: <laughs> yeah totally
0: <laughs> i think he also samples dead or alive in this cool as well as a little bit of duran duran um, but it was definitely capitalizing again kind of Putting my mindset back into 2003, 80s nostalgia was huge at that time, and this fit in perfectly with the 80s nostalgia.
1: The breakdown is so weird, Um, but it is very 80s-influenced. It goes on for way too long. long. That's the thing, too. That's, like, what does the song in, because if that was a little shorter... I'm not someone in clubs. I don't know if this was playing in clubs at the time, but if... This was playing in clubs at the time. You'd have to cut that breakdown because it changes everything. (laughs) But it is the breakdown, especially so 80s. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it also kind of has that party rock kind of thing to it. LMFAO. LMFAO. There we go. Yeah. This could have been an LMFAO song. Agreed. (laughs) Again, this is another example of JC just being ahead of his
1: time. Yeah. Yeah. I think had the song come out like seven or eight years ago, it would have fit in perfectly with what was playing at the time. All right, so the next
0: song is One Night Stand. I believe it samples "Cruising Together and I Feel Love by Donna Summer. Kind of reminds me of Blowing Me Up a, can, a little bit. I can get that. And JC's vocals are really highlighted here. So this this song was inspired by the movie The Ladies' Man. Awesome.
1: <laughs> All my critiques are subjective because obviously uh, they come from me. But I'm a, I'm a big fan of like a two and a half minute song. I think that's exactly how long a song should should be. JC's lyrics in this song are worthy of about 10 seconds. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't understand how this is like a five minute song. It's fun, but yeah. I, I don't get
0: it. It's definitely supposed to be tongue in cheek, yeah. just like a lot of his other songs. But yeah. <laughs> but it just, it never goes anywhere. Yeah. Um, I, and then, and then,
1: <laughs> it's him, a ridiculous song. And yeah. then
0: JC never really kind of had like, he was never really guilty of having like a black scent, but he kind of does it a little bit here. Yeah. And I'm just like, this definitely would not apply to me. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. That's, uh, that's what I, 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 like I said, I called it a shelf life. I just, a lot of things he did, not a lot, some of the things he did everyone could have predicted that like maybe that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't what you should be doing um and this song definitely falls under that but
0: again this is another example of the label just not supporting him Yeah, like someone an R rep should have been like dude you probably shouldn't do this right <laughs> cut the song or make the song a little bit shorter so speaking of songs that are too long yeah <laughs> come to me this is Straight, electronica, again, a lot of 80s influence here. Yeah. Um, I believe it
1: samples either Sunglasses at Night or Sweet Dreams. I, I think it has to be Sweet Dreams. I was driving around thinking, oh, that's when I was listening to this whole album, I was driving around thinking, like, if someone hasn't already mixed the two of those together, they have to. I'm I'm almost positive it's Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics. So. Yeah.
0: Well, I, they, they sound like identical songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So Again, this is another example of the song. Not only is it too long, but there's an instrumental portion, which is just way too long. It feels like it's building up to something yeah. and it just like it never, never resolves. Happens. Yeah. This song is just like
1: pure sex. I Yeah. And lyrically, I, I have such a, it's not quite a love hate relationship, but it's, it's maybe like a little bit of admiration mixed with like a borderline cringe with some of the decisions JC makes. And, and it's noted here that he says masturbate in this song and I can't decide if I love that because like maybe I do a little bit but I also really like this band I like and the way they work around that phrase is they say I'm getting familiar with my lower self and I I like like the euphemism of that (laughs) so or not even really a euphemism but just it's you know songwriting is a creative thing and so coming up with a different like masturbate's not even a particularly pretty word like just like coming it's up not. with a different way <laughs> of saying it <laughs> is something i really appreciate you can still you know talk about it
0: i mean kudos to
1: him for kudos having to him the bravery to put it in a song no but i i think about this a lot and i i don't necessarily believe you have to earn something but like maybe like build a career out first before you go making decisions like this, because for a debut solo album to make decisions like some of the ones made here, I, again, you don't have, you don't have that audience base and you don't necessarily have this group of people on your side. Mm. There's a better way to say what I'm trying to say right now. Uh, Well,
0: I, yeah. So I think there's two things going on. One, I think JC just thought of this as being like a fun side project. Right. I don't think he was expecting this to really go anywhere, but then it kind of did go somewhere and the label never supported him. It, it's right. just like a... But I also think that it was assumed that he has this built-in base because of the success of NSYNC.
1: Oh, Right. I Like, I do... I totally get that, and to some extent, he did. Yeah, I mean, he, he did. he yeah. did a club tour before even releasing a debut album, and he was able. I you said tickets didn't sell extraordinarily well, but he was able to do a club tour before <laughs> releasing a debut album, yeah. which is it's a difficult thing to do. Yeah. So, like, totally, I get that, but at the same time, yeah, with the delay and uh, with just the shift in musical direction, you just you, and InSync had tapered off a little bit at that point. I talk about this a little bit with the Kate release too, and we can like totally talk about that because I have thoughts on the Kate album. And then it seems unfair for me to have certain thoughts on the Kate album because I don't know if we're hearing Kate the way that we're supposed to hear Kate because yeah. it was a leak. Right. And that's a little reflective of this. Like we're ascribing so much to this album and this career effort of J.C.'s because he is J.C., you should say, and we don't, at least I don't really know what his original intent was. Like you said, uh, possible it was a fun side project, but he was also a career-long musician, and and so possible it was more than that as well.
0: Yeah. Okay, so let's get into Dear Goodbye. Yeah. So I think this is a beautiful song. It has more of an adult contemporary slow rock kind of feel to it, which I think really showcases his vocals probably in the best way. I agree. (laughs) I think this is probably the song that that best showcases his vocal abilities. I
1: agree. I I think he does a beautiful job singing on it. I'm going to sound like a broken record. I don't think it fits in with the rest of the album. I would love if J.C. Jose Assembly did an adult contemporary like truly beautiful release of a few songs yeah and I think something like this would fit in right there with it
0: well I I kind of think that the Kate album was supposed to be kind of the more Mm -hmm. adult contemporary I agree yeah so I feel like that this would actually fit like if you switched this song out with uh, you know one of the like hip-hop kind of sounding songs on from Kate Kate, yeah switch it out it would have worked
1: I agree with you totally
0: okay so the next is everything
1: you want (laughs) I love this. <laughs> I, I I like the song too.
0: Definitely has like a more of like a reggae ska electronica kind of sound to it. Definitely hear some sting. The police, Yahoo. So funny. i yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate how he. I, I know we kind of said that he had a little bit of a, a black scent in one night stand, but he he doesn't fall into that. You you see this in a lot of ska bands where they try to sound Jamaican and he doesn't really fall into that. Yeah. Like a lot of white, fans may do.
1: That's <laughs> funny. Cause I do listen to a lot of ska. I don't necessarily, like off go, I would love to hear more about white fans that sound Jamaican because um, I don't necessarily know any of those but I do think it's easy to do and mm-hmm. I, yeah, I love that that doesn't happen here. So, I love a good ska beat and mm. introducing that into a pop album is a really cool decision. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So the next is Lose Myself and this one is, again, kind of adult contemporary, more mm-hmm. R&B. It, Totally takes from Seal's Kiss from a Rose. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this one is definitely influenced by Brian McKnight as well. And it has that like late 80s, early 90s R&B kind of sound to it.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I'm literally, I'm going to keep saying the same things about the same songs over and over. I really like the falsetto in this. I like the R&B I like when he leans really hard into the R&B. I do think he, not to do a comparison, but to do a comparison. I think he does R&B better than Justin does. Oh, 100%. Um, like significantly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think if J.C. wanted to have a career as an R&B singer, he could. It's not as genuine coming from Justin. It doesn't read as such. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, songs like this, I really enjoy hearing J.C. sing.
0: Okay, so this is actually my favorite J.C. song. Cool. Yeah, right here by your side. I, I just love how it's just this really cute poppy, acoustic sounding. It kind of reminds me of like Jason Mraz. Yeah. Super sweet song. I love his vocals in this. I love the falsetto. And I just love the uh, simplicity of the percussion as well, the acoustic guitar. I just, I feel like that complements the falsetto so much.
1: That's awesome. You note that it cuts in just a little over two minutes and it is, it's it's just under three minutes, which I didn't realize when listening to it. That's a perfect pop song length.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like this should have been a single. Totally. I, yeah, it, it it has the perfect length, radio friendly length. It has that sound that was really similar to like Jason Mraz and John Mayer. Mm-hmm. It could have fit so nicely in that sphere at that time.
1: And there was a lot of at that time in that sphere. There was a lot of taking songs like this that were like almost just pure acoustic songs, and then releasing like a early sunday morning pure acoustic cover and doing a super stripped down version and i think that would work really well too mm-hmm. and i i wish some liberties like that had been taken
0: all right blow me up with her love i loved this song when this came out
1: it's a great song Great song. revisiting it again for this podcast was like oh yeah this is it's a freaking jam yeah
0: i would just remember it on heavy rotation totally on mtv and it was on trl a lot can you say anything bad about this song? (laughs) I will say one thing. Say it. I think there's a little bit too much going on in this song, but again, bringing myself back into that time. So this would be 2002. That was a time period where everything was just big and loud. So it sounded like a lot of other songs of that time. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying like, that was just the mentality that a lot of producers had that if, songs were super loud it was more pleasing to the ear and it's going to get more radio play
1: i'm going to try and keep this very concise did you hear the reply all podcast episode the lost hit no reply all is a podcast that has since kind of imploded this predates the implosion so if you can separate yourself from that great so basically it first of all you learn a lot about the record music industry by listening to it. It's an internet-based investigative podcast. And what happens is this guy is driving around with his wife. He starts singing a song. She's like, what are you singing? he's like, no, you you know that song. It was like huge in the 90s. And she's like, I absolutely don't know that song. And he goes home and he tries to find it online to play for her. And he can't find it anywhere. And so then he, he goes through this whole journey of trying to find anyone who knows the song and he puts it upon himself and the podcast winds up helping him out a little bit with trying to recreate the song in a studio with professional musicians there's so many steps to get there that i'm skipping but so from memory from a song from like the early 90s it's like 2019 2020 at this time and he's or it's probably 2018 2019 because it's pre-pandemic and he is in a studio with professional musicians he's not a musician and he tries to recreate the song etc 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 you find out that it was a real song. It was a single released at the time, but it was regionally released. So not everybody heard it. It was released into very particular markets. Skip, 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 skip. He recreates it almost from memory. What wow. this has me saying is though so you learn through that podcast that because the song, they play it for people. They play it for someone from Rolling Stone. They play it for a professor who like specializes in like music and psychology. And the general feedback is that A, it sounds like a bare naked lady song. And B, and everybody keeps saying, "Isn't it that vernacular lady song?" And it's not. Could, but it sounds—it sounds a lot like um, One Week. And the other thing is that a lot of people think he's making it up, and that he's combining three songs he heard at the time into a head, and it's like a, its a fake memory. That kind of fits in with what you're saying here. What you learned through that podcast episode is that when there is a breakthrough hit like One Week was, or like a John Mayer or Jason Mraz song might have been at the time, the goal of every record company, or every producer at that time is to get bands that sound just like that into the studio. A lot of times, what will happen is the person who produced One Week will now only have bands in the studio who sound like Bare Naked Ladies did during that release. And that will be that career for like a year. But I think you like nailed it, because if everything is really big at that time, then uh, that's what's just going to be continually pushed out. It works. It's a really good podcast episode. I highly recommend it. The reason that blow me up with Her Love works for me, even though it's so big, is because I can recall the drumline drum sequence in it, and it's so visual for me because I saw that. And if you are new to the song and you don't have that reference, you're right. I think it's a totally different experience, and I could see why the song might be... A little overwhelming. <laughs> mm,
0: absolutely. Did you do marching
1: band? I didn't do marching band. Okay. Uh, I did uh, concert band and jazz band. Okay.
0: All right. Because I definitely remember marching bands doing this song too. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's a great drum line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: I I play drums and I have, I don't need to get into it. You can it, get the, into the, it. No. Well, the snare part's really, really fun. And if you know how to do like bounces and rolls with your snare drum, it's, it's a blast to do. So I could see drum lines having a blast with this because it's so rare that modern songs or contemporary songs were written with such a specific drumline piece i can't think of another instance of it
0: i can't i can't think of one on the top
1: at the top of my head that's going to be cool It'd be like oh yeah no this song was written for me to do exactly this that's so fun
0: see this is exactly why i wanted you on here (laughs) because you have that perspective now that we've talked about the schizophrenic era We're getting into the part of the story that is not as well known. Like we said, while JC was touring in 2004, he started working on a new album, Story of Kate or Kate. So in 2005, 2006, in preparation for this new album, Jive, this time around, it feels like they're actually starting to give him a little bit more support. He gets a new team, including a new A&R rep. And this may be why he was treated a little bit better, either that or they're more confident in the direction J.C. was taking with this album. And the label actually gives him enough financial backing where he is able to work with many more producers, over 30 producers for this album. I know. It's crazy. It's like it's almost as if he he was like, I wasn't able to yeah, work with him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> up for it before.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this included a lot of bigger name producers, including JT, Timbaland, Akon, Caradio Guardi, and Jimmy Harry, who is actually his writing and producing partner to this day. Cool. So the album is intended on having a more cohesive sound. And there was definitely a lot of buzz in the industry and in the media about this album. JC does some TV show guest appearances for promotion for the album. Cool. And he also performs his soon-to-be-released single Until Yesterday with Justin, who he collaborated with on the song, at a 2006 VMA afterparty, which, God, I wish I was there for that. Oh. <laughs> and the album had originally a scheduled release date of fall 2006. However, while this is all going on, there's corporate restructuring and budget cuts happening at Jive Records. And remember, this is 2006. During this time period, the music industry was changing. People weren't buying music like they used to. Illegal downloads were at their peak. They just weren't making as much money. And communication breakdowns started occurring again at the label. The same situation that happened last time, J.C starts learning more about his schedule in the news online before the actual label tells him. And a song that he collaborated with Santana didn't actually get included on Santana's album. And JC finds out this information online instead of the record label, which is so sad. And what's interesting is that song with Santana has never been fully released or fully leaked. We only get like a, I think it's like a one minute snippet of it. Totally. Have you heard that? Uh,
1: yeah, I, rem- I remember hearing it, I don't know when it leaked. I, it was a long time ago, because I do remember hearing J.C. and Santana doing a short bit together. It's so
0: good. It is good. So Jive pushes the album until early 2007, no definite date, and that's such an all-too-familiar tale for J.C. The single, Until Yesterday, finally gets released on iTunes in November 2006, and it got really positive critical reception, and fans really loved it. It's a good song. It's a great song. It's a great song. We'll get into that in a little bit. But it still feels like JC is losing support from Jive. They don't coordinate or fund the creation of a music video. They don't send the singles out to radio stations, making play on those stations impossible, even if fans ask for it. JC then takes it upon himself to hand deliver physical CD singles to program directors at radio stations.
1: Can I also chime in a little bit? Yeah, Uh, Like, I'm sure JC knows this, but that's not even totally how radio play works. Like, you know, like if if you hand deliver a single to a DJ, the DJ doesn't necessarily have the freedom to play it. That's, like, that's something of the 50s and 60s that does not exist anymore, uh, except on, like, independent and local radio stations. So as sweet and awesome as that is and his determination absolutely rules, it it, it just sucks that you can put in that huge of effort and still... The person on the other end of it might be like, "Dude, I like, I literally can't put this on right now."
0: Yeah, it's, that's exactly what happened because yeah. he would hand deliver it, and yeah. the radio station w- would play it once, and yeah. then Jive would call them and be like, "Never play it. You can't you play you it." Can't play Absolutely. It. So yeah, that's it's, it, it. Sucks. That does suck. And then early 2007, I feel like I'm kind of like jumping a little bit, but. Bear with me on the timeline. Jive releases another single off the album. I believe it was March 2007. Claiming the first single wasn't receiving traction on radio, despite them never fully supporting Until Yesterday. And this is the ballad, You Ruined Me. And that's released on iTunes. And again, this is another song that fans just absolutely went bonkers for. They loved it. A lot of people, a lot of critics said that this was the best song that JC had ever put out. Mm -hmm. And... There were some comparisons to Nick Lachey's song, What's Left of Me. And I can kind of hear the similarities, but it's a different song, in my opinion. Turns out You Ruined Me and What's Left of Me have the same co-writer, Lindy Robbins. Makes so much sense why they have similar sounds. But it was the same story as the previous single. You Ruined Me did not get the full backing. Jive didn't fully promote the single, and it didn't get much radio play. And Jive also didn't fund the music video as well. March 2007, after You Ruined Me was released and it didn't get radio play, Jive just drops J.C. entirely from the label, along with dozens of other artists. J.C. was by far not the only artist at that time because, like I said, they were making budget cuts. They were they were just dropping artists left and right. So J.C. starts searching for another label to release the album, but never actually found a label and
1: the album never got released. I think... A little bit about how I haven't thought of Jive Records for a very long time. (laughs) And it used to just be like a household name. And I think a little bit about how, again, we talk a little bit about how JC is before his time. And had this happened five years ago, he could have just independently released the record with ease. Exactly. In a way that was not possible in 2007. Even five years after that, it was a much more common thing.
0: One thing to note about the Kate album is that in the InSync fan community, there's definitely a huge split between how people received the Kate album, and of course, it's been leaked online several times in several different formats. I believe uh, J.C.'s attorney has gotten involved, mm. and you know, there's definitely ethical issues around listening to music that is a leak, mm-hmm. and when you consume music that's not brought to you in an official way the songwriters the producers they don't get a cut of that and I mean they get such a small cut as it is like if you listen to a song on Spotify they get such a small percentage of that of that online stream mm-hmm. right obviously they're not getting anything if you're listening to each track so you know there's obviously ethical issues surrounding listening to music that has been leaked that hasn't been brought to you either by the studio or by the record company or by the artist themselves. So obviously as a musician would love to kind of hear
1: your thoughts on that too. Sure. Actually I have one question before I chime in. Has JC publicly commented on his thoughts on the leak? He has not. Okay. As an artist there's a lot of sayings that pop up a lot I was briefly in school to get my MFA. And the kinds of things that are always said is like a project is never done. You just at some point have to be okay with people experiencing it. I also think a lot about how when you create something and you put it out into the world, the meaning that you want it to have or that you ascribed it or that you wanted people to, the things you wanted people to experience when perceiving or experiencing your art, uh, you have no control over that. And it's a really hard thing to create something that you put so much emotion and time into and then have no control over how people respond to it. It's kind of the coolest thing about being an artist in my opinion, and it's also, again, incredibly difficult. It's especially difficult in a world like mainstream music in which you might've created something and then by the time it has actually reached the world, it's drastically different from the thing you thought you were creating. So I'm actually, I don't know if my opinion is surprising, I have no ethical issue with listening to this album. If it was something that he was working on right now and it got leaked prior to it being done and prior to it being released and all that stuff, I would feel awful about it. I probably wouldn't even listen to it. But when it's something that's so far in the past and I don't think anyone is necessary, I shouldn't speak for other people. I'm not viewing it as something representative of who JC is now. And like I said earlier, I think of it a little bit as, I'm not even sure this is the, product that we were that he wanted us to hear but it's so far gone it was created with the idea of someone eventually hearing it and that happened many years ago and now people are finally hearing it and that is the start and end of it for me yeah I don't I don't have any ethical issues with it Mm. if there was some sort of like I said if there's some sort of financial loss on his end or there's a band there are a few bands but the one that comes to mind is uh, against me searching for former Clarity album. All those tracks leaked before the album came out. And the person who leaked them just described them like one title names. And so when the band released the album, they gave every track like a really long, ridiculous name. just as kind of like an F you to uh, the person who leaked it. So like, you know, you encounter stuff like that or, or demos will be leaked that um, there's something in the music world called demoitis, which is the condition of when you hear a demo and uh, you love that so much that you cannot possibly like the, what the song becomes basically as the final release. Anyway, all of this is, is, is to say that none of that applies in this scenario. And so... I don't know if it's not cool that I don't have an ethical issue with it, but I don't even a little bit. I think it's totally okay. I do not think this is the regular instance of leaked music. I think a little bit about Harper Lee's second book being released, seemingly without her permission. And I've been thinking about is that similar to this because that was written and held onto for so long. That book was very private, Mm -hmm. and creating this album was very much not a private experience. And so for me, I think that's the discrepancy.
0: Right. that's a that, It's a really good way to describe everything. The overall issue, the big issue here, is the record company never releasing this album in the first place and never providing JC with the proper support. Sure. And never putting it out in a way that they should I think it becomes a little tricky when there is a product out there that consumers really want. And, you know what? The industry is not willing to put it out, and it's going to get leaked at some point. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think that the the big issue here and the and the the real bad guy here is the record industry. Agreed. It's
1: not on the people who leaked it. I would like to clarify that if it is a little disrespectful to JC uh, to release it, and I do, if he was angry about that, I would understand that entirely. Mm. I think that's real valid for sure. However, I, I don't think it's our fault to listen like the album's out there whether or not we listen to it, I don't think it's a huge ethical violation to listen to it. yeah there are other situations you could fit into that statement I just said that would be <laughs> ethically incorrect um, but I in this instance I, I don't I don't find an ethical issue with it. Like I said, the album was made to be heard and now we're hearing in it and there's just some steps in between. I don't know about in your industry, in my industry, uh, a phrase I use a lot because it bums me out is when people are set up to fail. Mm. And it does seem like throughout JC's entire career, he was just being set up to fail. So I don't fault him for any issues and I don't fault anyone who leaked the album. Absolutely.
0: And that is why I paid $100 for my NSYNC sweatpants.
1: <laughs> like I said, I'm so glad that the latest releases just haven't been in my style. Because it's like, man, I, they were getting a whole lot of my money <laughs> for a little while. There.
0: And especially knowing that JC is at least curating yeah. the, the merch drops. I'm like, okay, well, I feel bad yeah, about did. listening to the Kate album. But at least I paid probably five CDs <laughs> worth on sweatpants. Okay, so let's talk about the overall album, the sound, the production. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I like it. Akin to the NSYNC releases, there's just clearly so much growth and maturity between in both the sound and the lyrical content between this and Schizophrenic, even though, as we know, they were written in a very short amount of time. They were written very close together. I, I go against... A lot of the crowd here i think this album is just lacks cohesion overall i read that 2006 mtv interview with justin and justin talks about a little bit of the cohesion issues with schizophrenic and mentions that he's really helpful to have a hand in like further molding jc's like final sound and i, I just don't hear it on this album i think it's all over the map. It's one of those things I think it has so much potential. And that's why I wonder if we're hearing it as it's supposed to be heard. Because um, to me, it's like, it's like all over the place. It's just interesting to hear your perspective on that.
0: Because you have much more of a trained ear on this than I do. I, and a lot of other people do. I, so, I do. Uh, yeah. I will say
1: that too. But it's it's part of what makes my opinion maybe less valid. Because I, I I might hear things a way that it's not how they would have been heard by you know the general public. Uh, I I run into that with photo, too. I see colors. I see colors very specifically because I look at colors all day, every day. And so sometimes people will be saying something about color. and I'll be like, I can tell you exactly. Like, you know, they'll be like, is it green or is it gray? And I'm like, I can tell you with no doubt that that is this color. But, like, it might – people who don't distinguish color all day, every day might not know that. It's the weirdest thing. (laughs) But that's that's a little bit how music is, too. And there's plenty of people who spend more time in a studio than I do and might have even a more thorough opinion on it, you know? Mm, Absolutely and I, I'll be saying this probably 600 more times. <laughs> uh, I I I can't be certain that it's the album that we were supposed to hear. A lot of people use the term producer and engineer interchangeably, okay. and they're not exactly. I apologize if I've been doing You that. haven't. You've been saying producer the whole time, and that's right. Okay. But I just think, And I I understand the confusion, and a lot of times they are the same person, so that's also part of the confusion. But an engineer is more of a technical person who runs the soundboard and basically feeds what the artist is playing into the board. A producer is more of a creative role, and the reference I give is I recently heard Lance Bass say that for It's Gonna Be Me, Justin was repeatedly singing It's Gonna Be Me, and the producer kept pushing him to really say may and may and may, and just... What a difference that makes in the final version of the song and in NSYNC's overall legacy. And so an artist's job is to show up with the, you know, some of the music and some of the lyrics or, or an idea of what they want to do. And it is the producer's job to hone that. As sometimes you might show up with half a song and the producer will be like, we're going to put this guitar here. Or they'll hire session musicians who will come in and we'll, they'll play stuff that the artist never wrote. And sometimes that's not always the way a producer works. And sometimes the artist has a very specific vision. Again, Taylor Swift is a great example of, she writes the musical instrumentation and all that stuff for all their songs. But I'm going on for a very long time here. But just to say that JC did nothing wrong in showing up with 12, 16 songs that are all over the map, but the producers really did something wrong in not honing that together and creating a better, more cohesive sound. JC does love being a producer though. So it's one of those things where it's, who knows how much of this was his vision and him especially after his first album experience maybe being unwilling to do anything but his own vision but in a normal scenario you would have a producer there who would say like you know hone it in a little bit yeah
0: one of the ways that jc described this album was smart pop mm-hmm. and i feel like that's a per- i i understand your critique of the album not being cohesive but i do see smart pop throughout this album totally and i'll agree with that Yeah, i want to make a note before we discuss the songs off of the kate album you might notice that we don't discuss every song and this is for a few reasons one is we simply didn't have much to say on some of the songs two we were running short on time and three given the controversial subject matter of the album i think it's best we don't go into every single song and to emphasize a couple of sasha's points We don't even know if this is the final version of the album or if this is the version that J.C. had intended on releasing. Also, we cannot, absolutely cannot think of this album as a current representation of J.C., the artist. Now, let's get into the song analysis. All right, so let's talk about Until Yesterday.
1: I love this song. When it came out, I have this like very specific... Very vivid memory of having just graduated high school, hanging out at like a pool hall, and there was a uh, one of those like brand new at the time digital jukeboxes, and just finding out that until yesterday was on the jukebox. I used to play it every time I was there, and my friends were like, "I, I don't get the appeal of this song, but it's such a jam." And such I, jam. being like eighteen and being still super into it. One thing is I was talking, because I was trying to come up with other examples of lines that JC uses that like I wouldn't hear in another song. And as I've said, they're always funny immediately. It's not something that I grow older and I reflect on. I'm like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. It's like, no, I'm like a 17-year-old kid. I'm like, no, this is funny. <laughs> the baby's not my blood type, one of my favorite lines of all time. <laughs> so good. And the way it's <laughs> delivered is so good.
0: It's so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's very- like- It's a ridiculous line.
1: What <laughs> are the best and worst- lions and jc's legacy (laughs) love
0: it so much i i absolutely love this song and i i didn't i did not keep up with with a lot of pop music at this time so i didn't i didn't hear it upon this release but when i heard it recently i was I was blown away by how good it was. It's such a good song. Yeah. It definitely has a very inspired by, you know, the Beatles, Queen, Freddie Mercury kind of vibe to it. And I love the storytelling aspect of I it, too. I love
1: the storytelling aspect. I There's this thing in mainstream songwriting where you want to write a relatable song. Not a relatable song, very specific, like there's no misconceptions about what the song is about, and I, I think that works really, really well. Yeah, um, I'm, I am reading the lyrics right now. He also does things like he uses sex as a verb, so you have sex in with another man, yes, I uh, love that. a great line. <laughs> uh, there are just things that JC does that I'm not sure anyone else does, yeah, in that, in at least in that circle. Yeah, He is such <laughs> he's a unicorn, he's so- a unicorn, he totally is. <laughs> And he hides it well, I think. He does, yeah. So did
0: you listen to You Ruined Me when that came out? Okay, so do you have any thoughts?
1: In a way that some of the other stuff doesn't. I think it sounds like a JC song from start to finish. You have the emotional depth. You have the vocal ability. It's a little catchy. You... it makes you feel. Yeah, I think it's a great song.
0: Yeah, I think so too. So um, the songwriter, Lindy Robbins, she was actually on Friend of the Podcast, James Rodriguez's Original Doll podcast. Cool. And when she was interviewed, she said that J.C. had one of the best voices she had ever heard, which is a surprise to no one who
1: right. knows J.C. It must <laughs> <But> loves J.C. <laughs> it must be neat to write a song like that and then get to hear someone like J.C. sing it. I know. I know, but she also said that it it
0: really should have been a huge hit, and she was—you could tell she was just so disappointed that it never got the proper release. And it just—it it really is like, I think that the, it's the best song that JC's ever put out on okay. his own. I love until yesterday. Don't get me wrong, but you ruined me. Really, it's—it really showcases
1: his vocals in the best way oh, possible. A hundred percent. I also don't think a song like Until Yesterday is never going to be the best song that he, oh, you know what I mean? Uh, Topic-wise, style of music, uh, the way it doesn't quite best represent his voice. It's a f- It can be a great song. It can be your favorite song. But I I don't think a track like that's ever going to be the best song. And You Ruined Me fits all those categories that Until Yesterday doesn't.
0: Exactly. Yep. I get major Adele vibes yeah. on this album, particularly with You Ruined Me. I could totally hear her covering this Song. That's cool. Yeah, I would
1: love to hear that.
0: Oh, I would love to as well. Maybe one day.
1: Yeah, yeah. I bet she's an Insync fan. Oh, I bet she's that. the right age. Yeah, she's like, she's our age, right? Yeah, yeah, we're like a couple years older. No, Adele and I are the same age. Really? <laughs> yeah, you have the same oh, birthday? yeah. Uh birthday! No, but we were like a couple months apart. You are on a, the I'm same a little, day. <laughs> a little older than Adele. Okay. All right, but yeah.
0: okay, that's cool. That's cool to know that she's our age. Yeah. Okay, David yeah. Archuleta actually recorded a version of this song, but it never got released. It Never got released. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, JC I believe produced his version of the song too. That's cool, and you can see it in the ASCAP Song View directory. Satellite. It kind of reminds me of. Do you know this song by Deftones? I don't. Sex tape. Kind of reminds me of that that song, like. Yeah, it's it, the the beat is so similar and the 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 melody is very similar. It, yeah, the the song's really cool because it showcases JC's higher range. Next is "Fuck with My Mind." This song, oh my god! So this song really displays his range perfectly. There's some really low notes in this song, and there's some really high notes. Like it's so cool
1: that like yeah, hey, oh hey. yeah, yeah, but low note. It's a nice baritone. It's really you know, know like i know I <laughs> yeah. um, that's and that's the it's sexy and not in your face right i really appreciate that yeah
0: there's also some falsettos in that song too that are beautiful as yeah. well but yeah this has this is like just a true r&b song and his voice just sounds so natural and actually novel who i believe he produced this song with ended up recording his own version of the song. And you kind of see that throughout this album where when we get to Beautiful Girl, Jonathan Brooke, who he worked on that song with, she ended up recording a version of that song for her album (laughs) and had him produce. So it's like, it's kind of interesting how he he utilized people in this way. I also,
1: I've always appreciated that JC, I think, again... Unexpectedly is the one who always pushes the envelope a little bit. Like putting a, a title fuck on your album. Great. And unexpected. Yeah.
0: <coughs> then we have Fire. It's more of like an up-tempo, kind of like dance kind of song. Yeah. Interesting mix of sounds in the song. This is produced by Timbaland, written by Dallas Austin. I do think you can hear the Timbaland in, oh. in it. For
1: sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the beat is just pure Timbaland. Totally. The next is God Bless America. This is another, it, it kind of, this this kind of reminds me of a song from Schizophrenic. It has that kind of like tongue-in-cheek mentality. It kind of reminds me of um, One Night Stand.
1: I can't find the lyrics, that's how weird J.C.'s solo career
0: was. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Sorry, continue. It's also called called uh,
1: God Bless America, which... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that in itself is tongue-in-cheek.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, apparently there was a... Um, an article when JC was working on this, he he talked about this song and, and and working Justin on this song. And he was like, you know, you just look at a beautiful woman and you're just like, God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: <just> so stupid. <laughs> yeah, and I, I hate it and I love it. <laughs> oh, man, it's so oh, and awesome.
0: But it also sounds like in the song that um, JT is singing back up. Cool. Yeah. So we get that Justin-JC fusion that we love, that NSYNC fans love. Out of all the songs, this probably displays JC's voice the least um, until you get to the bridge because JC is just the king of bridges. Yes. <laughs> uh, next is Hot Section. So the, the guitar at the beginning, it reminds me of the Sopranos theme song.
1: I have no idea what the Sopranos theme song sounds like. I've never seen it. <laughs> so, But I love that.
0: <laughs> and it's got kind of like a funky guitar sound, kind of like 70s inspired. Uh, JC also worked on, with JT on this. Lots of falsettos on this. I'll be somebody to someone someday. Okay, I want you to hear this because there's a bass harmony in the chorus of the song. Cool. And... And I, I was looking, I was trying to find the credits for this song, and there's no that's backup singers that are yeah. that are credited. I'm pretty sure that's JC singing the bass harmony. If it is, his range is wider than we think. Okay, so the next song is Beautiful Girl, and this is actually my favorite song on the album. Cool. Yeah. His vocals are so good on this, and it's funny because when I first heard the song, I was like, this sounds like a Jeff Buckley song. and I was so happy to find out when I was, you know, doing my research on this album that Jeff Buckley was the inspiration for this song. That's very neat. Jonathan Brooke, there were a couple articles that when she was doing promotion for her album because she ended up, she worked with J.C. on his album and then J.C. returned the favor on her album and she talked about working with J.C. and how Jeff Buckley was a huge influence on this song and you can really, really hear it. You can hear it on Jonathan's version, but... You definitely hear it on JC's version. Yeah, that's that's all I can really say. And I love Jeff Buckley. Same. And the, there's actually a lot of parallels between JC's voice and Jeff Buckley's voice. I, I think in terms of their range, I think their octave range is very similar. And I then their tone is very similar too. And I never thought of that until I heard the song.
1: <laughs> Do you know "Lover"? You should have come over. Yes, Buckley. love that song. So Would good. Does a great range. I mean, there's probably three octave r- range in that song. Guitar on it's great. Would love to hear JC cover that song because oh, he be would amazing. kill it. That's another example of a song that just like guts me to the yeah. core. And I think JC is excellent at singing those types of songs because emotion comes across really well in JC's
0: voice. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that, that's why I love this song because there's so much emotion in this song. So, <sighs> totally.
1: Oh. Uh, Jonathan Brooks really cool.
0: Jonathan's another Boston based musician. Yeah. Uh, I didn't
1: realize that she and JC collaborated. Yeah. I only know her from like local folk stuff. Yeah. So that's really neat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He worked with a lot of huge eclectic mix of folks on this album for sure. Like <laughs> who would have thought that Jonathan Brooke would be on the same album as Timbaland? Right.
1: Exactly. <laughs> that's very funny. <laughs> but it really just goes to show,
0: I mean, that both this, all of all of his stuff really goes to show his his range in both music ability and music knowledge. Too. Totally. And music connections. Totally. So it's just really cool. It was in this moment when I realized Sasha was right. There is definitely a lack of cohesion on this album. I still love the album, though. And again, it poses the question, is this the final version of the story of Kate? This must be. Do you have a few more minutes you want to kind of talk about minutes. some of the songs that jc has produced
1: happily okay. i the way i did it though because i didn't have time to listen to all of them was yeah. i just i did the most recent ones and they again are so different from each other that i was like i would never even guess it was the same producer so i don't know if i have that much to say on them but please absolutely feel free to talk about them
0: yeah Those are all really good points. (laughs) So, okay, first of all, listeners, we created a Spotify playlist of all of the songs that JC has been credited as producing that are available on Spotify. There are definitely many more, but these are the ones that are available easily to you on a Spotify playlist. So, one of the songs is Diplo's Set Me Free, which actually was a pretty big hit at the time that it was released. I believe it was 2017. Fantastic song. I I mean it, it's just a fun song and I would never if I had heard that song be like oh this is a JC song,
1: yeah. <laughs> but Alex Harris's Roland. that's the one that sounded the most like JC. Yes, yeah, yes, for sure.
0: I that is a fantastic song and I'm actually surprised that it hasn't gotten much traction because it's it's beautiful. Listen, be cosmos and creatures, children love that song as well and I mean you can you can you can kind of see all the like the electronica songs that JC has been a part of and this is definitely a, another good one but again, I would never be able to immediately pick out like oh, this is a JC song right
1: or that this is the same person who did Alex Harris's role in yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. his, even his productions all over the the place which is yeah. All the credit to him. A
0: couple others that I just want to make note of. Blues Travelers, Blow Up the Moon, which is a super fun, cute song. And that was actually released as a single. And JC was in the music video for that. Yeah, yeah. And he performed with them, too, at Red Rocks in Denver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which seems like such a cool venue. He just seemed like he was having so much fun performing with them, which was so nice to see. That was in 2015, I believe. JC, actually, there was a leaked demo of, of the song, If You See Kate. And actually, a lot of people assumed that it would be on the Kate album. But it actually... Understandably. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. He, he produced McFly's version of the song, which is, you know, a poppy... It's, it's a cool poppy song. Honestly, my favorite is the song that he did with the Backstreet Boys, Treat Me Right. Cool. I, I love that song. And what I think is really cool about that song is he actually sings background. That is cool. Yeah. Allegedly, allegedly, we believe. And actually, there was a leaked demo called La La Land, and there's a, there's a clip in the beginning of that song, you're just no good for me, I know you're no good for me, that he sings. And he put it in the Backstreet Boys song. That's cool. Not a lot of people know that, <laughs> which is awesome. But I think it's a great song. All right. So that we did it. Hell yeah. <laughs>
1: I had so much homework.
0: Do you have any final thoughts?
1: I don't come away with anything except just more curiosity.
0: <laughs> Thank, welcome to the club, Sasha. <laughs> Seriously.
1: <laughs> like, I, I just have so many questions now and no way to answer them. Yeah. I think it's a bummer the way his solo career has gone. But. I know. For me,
0: once I went through the ASCAP directory and found all the songs that he has been working on. I'm like, JC at the end of the day is just doing what he truly loves to do.
1: Oh, totally. Um, Yeah.
0: And to see that he's still active in the music industry is really nice.
1: Yeah. I've talked a lot about how I appreciate that there, there weren't really uh, not obviously that within NSYNC, it wasn't obvious that there were any particular egos going on. And I think that continues to be proven by how they just, when they show up and support each other, how obvious it is that, you know, they all say that they text and talk all the time and all that stuff, which it makes sense. They were a really tight knit group for a number of years, but I think JC's current status is again, indicative of that. Like, uh, he could be in the limelight, he could be on Cameo, uh, he could <laughs> be doing, TikToks and all that stuff, but it does seem his preference is behind the scenes. That's yeah. you
0: know, great. Yeah. I mean, we saw this in the Disney Channel special when he said that he loved writing and producing and he wanted to do it more and he felt that that was his long-term career.
1: I don't remember how we got here except that.
0: final. It was final thoughts. Final thoughts. And then we just went
1: into NSYNC, so, which th- is totally Those are fine. where my final
0: thoughts always are. It's totally
1: fine. Uh, I would like to see JC do something musical in the future.
0: So he has talked both on Lance's podcast and during the Juliet musical promotion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know anything about that, Max Martin. No,
1: you know what we didn't even get into? What? The Jesus Christ Superstar. <gasps> yeah. I'm Which we don't at, have to talk about right now, but I was so excited for that. I was I ready to buy tickets, all this stuff. And then so he had another thing in his life that just like.
0: I know. For time purposes, I didn't go into any of his like acting endeavors yeah. and uh, outside of music. There, there was a lot like musicfreedom.com. Mm-hmm. Like, we could have gotten into that. Yeah, I, I didn't get into any of that. But you have to watch Opening Night. It's on Netflix.
1: I, I got an open tab for it. I will there, check there it out. There is one scene in particular that's going to make you cry. Awesome. So, I can't wait. Oh, so um, but you're saying he talked on Lance's podcast and- Oh, sorry. I, I, that, that, uh, I interrupted you. You don't have to apologize.
0: So, he talked on Lance's podcast about doing a musical with Jimmy Harry- Cool. And he also mentioned it during the promotion for the Juliet musical, which is Max Martin's uh, musical. Lance was actually there, like interviewing people, and obviously JC was there and they were just being goofs. Cool. <laughs> and Lance asked JC if he would ever do a musical. And obviously, it was, that like, was a leading question. It was a leading question. Yeah, like, yeah, Lance yeah. knows. Yeah. And JC was like, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I am.
1: <laughs> It was just funny because it was just like, oh, oh this is very so cute. Yeah. It was
0: cute. It was a cute moment. So who knows? <laughs> he... JC has also mentioned in in interviews like post-Kate that he was like, I might, you know, make it into a musical. I might do something with it. I might not release it as an album. I might release it in some other way, shape, or form. So who knows if that musical is going to be Kate or if it's going to be something completely new. Cool. We know that he is working on it has been working on it for the past couple of years. So who knows if that's that's funny. going to become a thing or... If it is, I'm going to buy tickets to every single show. Of course. <laughs> it's a format that makes total sense for him. It so does. It so does. And and after you watch opening night, you're going to be like, he should
1: have been on Broadway. Totally. Like, oh, yeah, I really, when Jesus Christ Superstar fell through, I was surprised that something else didn't come up. I know. Since this recording,
0: we've actually learned a little bit more about the musical JC has been working on. According to the publicly accessible information from the United States Patent and Trade Office website, we now know that the working title of the musical is called Wonderland. And he is collaborating with a few other songwriters, producers, and musicians, including Josh Record, Jacob Atwall, and Jimmy Harry. And the ASCAP directory shows us that they have already filed three songs for the musical, including the self-titled Wonderland, as well as Peculiar and Calling You Out. Really looking forward to what is to come in the future for the musical and for J.C. Wouldn't it be awesome if J.C. became the next Duncan Sheik of Broadway? I feel confident in speaking for both myself and for all of J.C.'s fans, where I can say, we're all rooting for you, J.C. We really hope you enjoyed part two of our J.C. series. Join us for part three, where we talk with James Rodriguez Horton, host of the Original Doll podcast, We chat a little more about J.C.'s story and the parallels with how Britney Spears was treated by the music industry. Got a question or suggestion? Email us at thismustbepoppodcast at gmail.com. Add us on Instagram at thismustbepoppod. That's this must be P-O-P-P-O-D. Did you notice that my brother is starting to look like Joey?
1: I didn't notice it, but I totally see it.
0: <laughs> but I was never attracted to Joey, and everyone would always ask me why. And I'm like, he literally looks like he could be yeah, in my family. Yeah, just remember your
1: family. Absolutely. <laughs> and now my brother's starting to look like him. And I'm like, see? That's really funny. <laughs> I'm on the celebrity tour, Not So Boy Band opened up, which was Joey's dad's band. And, uh, and P. Diddy. It was the weirdest tour. But I do. Um, Joey's dad totally looks like he would fit right in with your family. <laughs> <laughs> That's super funny. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, this was, so much, this was fun. so much fun. Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime, Sasha. Anytime. Do you ever wonder
1: why this music gets you
0: high?